Alright, so we're back. This is episode three. I'm Brian, this is Zach. And I thought about this and this is why I picked this topic today is because there's lots of things we have common interest on and things we've talked about over the years, but I don't think anything we talk more about than cars. That's true. I agree. Like it's just something we could be we car could, guys, man. We could have a whole show just on car stuff, I feel like. Because we talk about it all the time. I think we're going to make that show today. I think that'll be this show, but I'm talking... Yeah, so this is uh, this is, this is going to be Zach versus the car salesman. So just... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why that name stuck in. It may, not, it may change. I don't know yet. Because but. you're the salesman, and I, we were always in like opposition when I was buying cars from you. Yeah, yeah, and we'll, we'll get into that, that story further along here. But uh, just the background on me, um, yeah, me and Zach are both Kutztown graduates business uh he, he did we did our undergrads there um i went right directly into the car business right after college worked in retail pre-owned new sales commercial truck sales um internet department car buying now so every part of the car business i, I was into and you know i got into it at a young age so something i learned i actually thought about last night which either made me feel really old and really like it was a weird feeling. I've been an active car salesman, active, in three different decades. Yeah. Wrap your head around that. Yeah. yeah. I started in 07. Obviously worked into the teens and briefly in 2020 worked at a car dealership selling cars. Yeah. So it it made me feel really old. I'm like, wow, there was like, that's a huge disparity. So, I mean, you know, I've been around... I, seen so many different train like i feel like i was trained in a time for car sales where it was super old school mentality i mean even back in like the teen like 2007 2008 range like there was things changing with the internet with car buying but like man they stuffed me in a room and like had me watch these vhs tapes (laughs) (laughs) from like 1987 they were like listen man you're 22 years old 23 like you're gonna have to i had no idea because they throw you out in the woods they say go take an up and, like, you have no idea what to tell anybody. You have no idea how to, like, move a transaction along. You're just terrible. And then they're like, okay, come inside. You're going to go sit in a room for a week and watch these VHS tapes. And they're, like, they even those were really outdated. Like, they're like, you know, well, when the, when the woman comes on the lot, you know, make sure you ask her, you know, where's your husband at? When can he come back before we talk numbers, <laughs> you know? I'm not here to tell you about how many cup holders are in this thing, you know? And that was the mentality, and that was, like, how you're just taught, and, man, it was, like, the worst training possible, but you learn over the years. It's, it's like, know. the typical guy doing, like, the over, over voice, and now the customer doesn't know what they want. It's your job to tell yeah. them. It's your job to shove whatever car that's oldest on the lot down their throat. <laughs> Don't let them leave. Throw their keys in a trash bin so they have to find them. That's awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's just a... Uh, you know, it's been a long time. I've worked in different fields, but, you know, car the car business has been something I've gone back to. But, yeah, it's just, you know, and today we're in this world, different type of market, which is completely different than how, you know, I remember selling cars in. But you won't get into that. But um, I guess I wanted to hear a little bit about you, your dealership experiences, because you're someone that spends a lot of time at the dealership, correct? There a lot of interactions. Yeah, so I, I guess my thing is, like, I've owned a lot of cars and and this is not like a any testimony to monetary or income it just i get bored with cars 
and like it's like ADD kicks in and I want something different. So, so just kind of like through the course of, I've probably owned 40 vehicles, you know, and I'm not 40 years old yet. So, you know, and you don't start buying cars till maybe you're 15, 16, at least that's when we were able to get our permits. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I've had a lot of them. Um, I mean, do you want like the history on the cars and the good and the bad, or do you want to yeah, get, give me, give me yeah. a little bit, give me something, give me your, uh, your car, your car stuff. Your yeah, car so we'll, get, we'll give you the highlights, right? So the. I think the first car I ever owned was a 1985 Volkswagen Rabbit. Never went on the road. I, my dad got me this car to teach me how to drive stick shift when I was maybe 13 or 14. And this, and I was on a farm. You know, so this was like my farm car that I drive around in. Well, yeah. the thing lasted. And, and listen, I had literally like the – we'd go off-road with it, which it was not made for. Tear the exhaust <laughs> off, tie it back up with string because like I didn't realize that was going to burn. So it was a really good learning experience to have this thing. And, and what ultimately killed this car is the e-brake um, like flew apart. It was one of those like middle console lift-up jobs with a button on the top. Mm-hmm. And we were doing like e-brake slides. But one day sure. I just ripped it a little too hard and the button shot out the front so it would no longer lock in place. Mm. So to get the car to not roll away, you know, it was manual or standard. You had to you know, just put it in gear. Well, I was in a rush one day and I quick ran up to the house. And my house is up on top of a hill. And I thought I put the car in first but I must have put it in third. So as I'm in the house, the phone rings. And I remember, like, nobody had cell phones back then, so the landline rings, which is rare. Right. I'm like, that's weird. And it was the neighbor calling to tell me that my car is in the creek. So my car literally drifted backwards, spun around 180 degrees without hitting any buildings, and there were buildings all around and trees, flew down the creek, head first, or like head first down the driveway into the creek. The car was demolished. And the neighbor was like, came sprinting across the street because he was outside when this happened. And he actually thought I was in oh, it. Oh, man. So he's like, oh, my God. Like, you're like this, this 14-year-old kid just wrecked this car in a creek. But luckily, nobody got hurt. And it just kind of, that was the end of it. So that was car one. You know, fast forward, my, my first car that I had when I was 16 was a 1970 Chevy Nova. Ooh. And uh, it was cool. You know, the bodywork wasn't great. It kind of waved to you as it went down the side. But it was black. So black's a hard color to, to hide stuff on. Um, but that was a fun car because I learned a lot. Like many, many transmissions blown, usually second gear, flat shift, and first to second. Mm. You know, and you learn about Muncie cluster gears and how you're going to blow them apart unless you got a rock crusher. And, you know, so you learned a lot about working on cars by breaking your car. When it's the only one you have, you fix it, you know? <laughs> so there was many times I would get like towed home from by a friend and I'd still have my car ready the next morning to go to school. Hey, that's all that matters. That's, so, that's how you adapt. Yeah, so fast forward, I mean, like, just like random cars, like 93 Pontiac Bonneville I had when I was in college. It was my mom's car that I kind of, like, bought slash hand-me-down. Mm-hmm. I had a 92 Oldsmobile Achieva. That was a good With car. a glass pack exhaust. That I remember that thing. Car. That was fun. That was in college, too. <laughs> um, 92 Honda Accord I had towards the tail end of high school. It was, like, low rider, that real cool red color that was, like, a maroon burgundy yeah. that really polished up well. Um, and that was a fun car. And that was back in the days of like the HKS super dragger exhaust, the buzz bomb. You know, so a lot of modifications, air intake, blah, blah, blah. So I guess then like fast forward to like working phases. Um, you know, I had a Chevy 1500, had a Chevy S10, uh, Ford F250, you know, a couple dump trucks, F550s, you know, all work related things. And then um, when I finally got to where I was buying nicer vehicles, and that's kind of where this takes off. And I'll tell you how some cars just are not nice or not reliable. One of the first nice vehicles I had was a, well, and let me, I had this real special car too, right? And this is one more car story. 
So I think when I was 17, and this is how fast I went through cars. So we already talked about five. I had yeah, between like 15 to 17. <laughs> Barely had your license yet. Yeah. So I had this 1991 300ZX. And it was normally aspirated. It wasn't the twin turbo, but it was the two plus two. And I was on the way back from school. And I had this car for two weeks, man. I drove all the way to New York, skipped school to go buy this car with a friend of mine. Did the whole thing, you know, brought it back. And two weeks later, I'm making a left. And we're on, you know, a typical double yellow. There's a guy coming towards me making a left. So we're both stopped at an intersection. Well, the car behind him broke the fog line and T-boned me as I was turning left. And the worst part was the judge ruled at 50-50 liability. And I didn't have collision because it was so expensive. So I had this car for two weeks, put every dollar I had into it. I think it was like eight grand and wrecked. And I think we got like maybe 2,500 bucks from the insurance company. It was horrible. (laughs) Horrible. So... But that was a really cool car, but I mean, loved it, but that was the story behind it. So, so fast forward, the first like real nice vehicle I had was probably a Genesis G80. So I actually owned a Genesis G80 before Genesis became its own car company. It was mm-hmm. not a Hyundai Genesis, like the old school one. It was, was it when they first became They just, first just made it. So it was the G80, but it was called a Hyundai Genesis, but it right. wasn't like the one you're picturing that had like the, you know, the, the speed goddess on the front. Like right. the Equus hat. The Equus hat. Yeah. Okay, Equus. So I bought two more of those. Okay. And I'll give you the rundown, man. And this was when these cars were 18 grand, like two years old. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Appreciate Great car. H track, all wheel drive. You know, had the V6, decent power. They were probably, you know, sub 300, but they were, they were decent. Nice leather interior, some really cool features that you couldn't get in any other yeah. car for that price back in the day. And I still recommend them. Now they've gotten pretty salty. But everything has. But in yeah. general, Genesis is kind of, they're making a name for themselves. Right. So then, I think I traded those in. I got a Maserati Quattroporte, right? So I've owned two of these because yeah. I didn't learn the first time. <laughs> you didn't learn And the, the first one time. is the one we took down to the Outer Banks. Maybe, you were yeah. in that one. Yeah. yeah. So Ferrari V6, twin turbo, all-wheel drive car. But at the end of the day, it was Chrysler Electronics. Yeah. And they were junk. Like sometimes your power seat just wouldn't work or it wouldn't return the seat memory or the radio wouldn't turn on. And I had the same issues with both. Like they look super cool and you got this mean trident on the front when you pull up somewhere. But the car was junk because of the electronics. Right. Just to touch on the Maserati thing real quick though. That, that's the way you got in and out of those is so like, normal. Like I, I just to preface, like I work in car buying right now i work for a company that buys cars you know we're buying thousands of cars a month i do i end up buying a lot of maseratis because like anyone who has one like they just they love it for a little bit and they're like i gotta get something this is not working out yeah and i I got the four door like i I try to stay away from two doors because just like having the kids and everything so i got the four door and there was room in it but dude they're not a good car you know And, and it's like it's they're that dealership where their whole like i think their whole game plan and i could be wrong Okay, and I'm happy for somebody at Maserati to dispute this. But they're like, come check it out. And the price tag says 90000 You walk in there, they're down to 70000 oh, yeah. before you even started negotiating because they're trying so hard to sell them. Right. So it's, right. it's really a look-at-me car, and I'm not a look-at-me kind of person. You know, I, right. I don't want to – and it's a great story with that, right? We'll roll right into that. So then I, I pre-ordered one of these new C8 Corvettes, okay? I had blade silver, black stripes. Like, I, I custom did the whole thing. You know, custom ordered it. It came right from the factory. And uh, two-door, like, rear engine. I knew this car was going to be hot. And this is, like, before the market became what it was. So this was, yeah. like, straight up I got lucky. And I think I, I was at, like, 60000 for that because I had a 1LT. I didn't get the 2LT. 
and I ended up selling it for eighty, like two weeks, four hundred miles later, two yeah. weeks later. I remember you got that. I drove it with you. It was yeah, it amazing. was it was a really really cool car. But again, it's like you're in this two seat sports car. It didn't have the luxury finesse that you know, like my Audi A8Ls had. You know, just not as like. And people are like, well, it's a sports car. What do you expect? Well, listen, they make some. Two, like you get a Ferrari, it's a two door. It, it it's it's refined. Yeah. Now I have never owned one, but I've got to sit in one. They are refined. They don't have the road noise, whatever. But that's, listen, I've had a 1990 Corvette. I've had a 2004 Corvette. You know, all that I bought, flipped, and, and did whatever with. They are, like, kind of rattly. You know, like, you really hear that road noise. Yeah. And part of it's probably rate reduction. They're not putting all that padding in. But no matter. Two Audi A8Ls had the same problem with both of them, with turbos. Uh, and then they use those little cinch clamps that are plastic around the turbo. They get super hot. And I think those things either pump oil or antifreeze room to keep them cool. And uh, you know, they both start leaking. They got to tear apart the whole front of the, the car. One wasn't covered under warranty. One was. And when the second one happened, that was the one under warranty. I'm like, I'm done. I'm getting rid of this thing. Um, so, again, long car, comfortable, massaging seats, quilted interiors. We have the whole exe- uh, what do they call it? executive package in them. Like, really cool cars. Yeah, they were pretty sweet. They are, and they're pretty quick, too. You know, I think you're yeah. 400 horsepower on those things, right? Somewhere in that ballpark. Um, I'm trying to think what else. And then we got into trucks, right? So one of the nicest trucks I own. Well, I have the nicest truck that I'm a fan of now. But I had a 2018 uh, Duramax Denali, mm. um, which I bought for the towing capacity so I could pull my skid steer and my excavator. And really, really nice truck. Road smooth. I actually had an F-250 King Ranch pre-ordered. Mm. And that came in, and I went to drive it. And because Ford still uses a spring front suspension, like coil spring, mm-hmm. in the front, the ride is so rough. So we went on this back road. My dad was with me, and my buddy, who was another car salesman, dad at Fred Beans, was with me. And we hit this back road, and like, dude, you could feel it in your kidneys. And this is a brand new seventy thousand dollar truck in two thousand eighteen. They're probably a hundred k now. And I looked at my dad. I'm like, this thing, this thing rides like crap. <laughs> and I even said, I said, Brian, I said, I can't. And it was a different Brian. But I said, Brian, I can't buy this thing. And he's like, you know what, dude? He's like, I don't blame you. Well, the 2500 series and the 3500 series um, GMC Sierras, they run a torsion bar suspension in the front. So much yeah, smoother. It's much smoother. Arguably not as good for plowing just because it's going to sag a little bit more. But mm-hmm. plowing was the least I was doing. Right. So great truck. Made the mistake of tuning it and everything else, rolling coal with it because that was oh, cool. cool. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I kind of avoided the warranty. Didn't have any problems. Everything held together. But I ended trading that in when the Corvette came in, and um, I bought the S63 Mercedes. Man. Favorite car of all time. Okay, this thing's probably got about 65,000 miles on now. My wife kind of took it from me. <laughs> so I went and bought her this Ford uh, Explorer Platinum, okay? And it was like a 2017, 2018. It was like two years old. I think I got it in 2020. Yeah. And um, or no, it was 2019 because it was before chaos happened here. And she just didn't like it. And mm. I'll tell you, it didn't ride like you'd think it should for a 40,000-mile car that's supposed to be their high end. Right. So she kind of complained. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I'm going to go trade this in also. And I, I forget what else I moved into. I said, do you want my Mercedes? And she's like, no, I don't really want a car. I'm like, why don't you take it for a week? She took it for two days. I was like, I'm never giving this back to you. <laughs> so again, that, lost had, that battle. had the Rentec tune, all-wheel drive, 700 horsepower. I mean, but Brian, it's so smooth. Reclining rear seats. It actually has a seat where like the leg rest comes out the back. Oh, yeah. There you go. Dope car. So then lastly, and I finally found this car that kind of meets all my needs now, and I went back to Ford. So now I have a, a 2018 F-150 Platinum. Mm-hmm. 
this thing rides like a car. Ford has their 150 series figured out. Dialed in. Dialed in, man. Tons mm-hmm. of space in the back, you know, seat. Tons of space in the front. It does have the massage or the multi-contour, whatever they call that, the heat, the cool. But it's just like, I can drive this thing an hour and a half one way to work, an hour and a half back, which is what I drive almost every day, three hours in the car. No problem. Mm-hmm. The 2500 Denali we were just talking about, still smooth. But at the end of the day, like three hours in a one-ton series truck wears you out. Oh, yeah. three-quarter, you know, ton truck. Yeah. It just feels different, you know? Yeah, it's a, driving a yacht, basically. Yeah, that's, that's it, you know? But it, it's stiff, you know what I mean? Like, it's it just it's made to haul weight, and if you're not hauling weight for it, it's kind of like, well, what do you need it for? And right. I, was, I kind of adopted that mindset. Yeah. So, but anyway, so that's kind of the whole car history and, and why I've dealt with so many car dealers. So that's a rundown, man. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> quite the quite the transition, man. Like how we kind of went through it. You um, missed a couple though. There's some fan favorites, real quick. Before hit them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I got? The, the International Harvester convertible. Okay, so uh, Come like on, the classics. Cool. We had like I had an XR71 Cougar. I had the the 1970. I think it's a 71 International Harvester. For listen, this is what's crazy, right? And we won't get into conspiracy theory. Back in 1971, they found a way to put a four-cylinder carbureted engine in an international harvester that got 18 miles per gallon. How are we not at 70 know, miles per gallon today? <laughs> yeah, really, they should be. Yeah, should I mean, be at least better. <laughs> yeah, they should. I mean, but that really fun car. No, that, that's a good one. Uh, what else you got? There were some others in there. The Porsche. So the Porsche was like a project. Okay, that was, I don't know, I wouldn't call it midlife crisis. I don't think I'm half dead yet. But... Um, the Porsche was a 1986 mm-hmm. 944 that was a, uh, they put a Chevy V8 in it. And so they made a conversion kit for it. It wasn't complete when I got it. So we had to tune in the carburetor, change a fuel pump, fix some electrical stuff. But so now you have this like real lean car that was made to be a four cylinder ripping around with, you know, 300 horsepower, you know, in a V8. So it's torquey as can be. And it might be more, it could be 400. I, we never dined on it, but it's at least yeah. three. Fun car, but the, the problem with it was, and you didn't, it wasn't overpowered. It, it didn't mess up the handling or anything else. It was all pretty much the original Bilstein shocks and, and the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, just, it was the same thing where, like, I got this thinking, this is going to be really cool and fun to drive. And then once you get in, like, the S63, it's like, I can go faster, longer, more comfortable, and have Bluetooth and everything else that I want. Why am I in this rattle box? <laughs> you know, it's just like you get spoiled. And my dad started this. My dad got one of those CL65 AMGs, and he said the same thing. He's a V12. But he's like, I don't even want to mess around with carburetor anymore. I get in this thing. The seats heat up. It's got HID lights. It has everything yeah. I want. And it's faster than all these cars that I had to spend twelve grand to make fast. Right. You right. know, so it, it's like once you get to that level, man, it's hard to go back. Yeah. You're, you're in a certain certain range there. But that, that's... I guess that's the funny part is, you know, any given day you could see you rolling down the street in a Mer- high-end Mercedes or some yeah, converted convertible <laughs> truck that's, uh, you know, some Colombian drug lord is driving around. That's in. what it looked like. It looked like Pablo Escobar. There was a you know, the, little racket. When, yeah. you, when, you, uh, when you showed that to me, I was like, man, he's making his transition to Colombian drug lord. We're going to have some. Uh... <laughs> you know, I, I think that right at that time that, that movie with Tom Cruise came out. Oh, um, yeah. Made was in it? America. Made in America. What a cool job. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know if anybody's listening to this that wants to hire a pilot to, you know, fly product from South America to, to North America. But <laughs> I think that would be really cool to do. Mm-hmm. Illegal. But what a lifestyle. Last week, last episode, you were in the CIA. Now, I think you are actually turning into this guy. What was his name? Oh, my God. I know, that's killing me. Uh, Bobby. Was it Bobby? 
I can't remember what his real name yeah. was in the thing. But anyway, like such a cool story, such a cool movie. Yeah, you're turning into him. It's kind of happening. I see it. Yeah, we just got to, you know, like people ask me like sometimes they're like, hey, like, what do you do? And like you could go and be like, well, I've got six companies and we're in real estate. We're so what I say is like, well, I said, well, I met these really nice people in South America and they make things that they sell, but they have trouble getting them here. So I help them do that. And they kind of look at me like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm just kidding. Like, that's not what I do. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, so getting into the car dealer shenanigans, right? So, so that's why I've gone through so many transactions, both you know, private and with businesses, just because of like my nature of I'm sick of this car, I'll buy the next one. Yeah. Okay. And one day we'll have to talk about guns too, because I've had so many different guns, and I finally have it dialed into what's really working for me. <laughs> and I don't I feel the need to have all these other guns now. It's like if I know what works, I might as well just have three yeah. of that. Just have what you need. Yeah, you know, but anyway, so safe room. So the first thing that that drives me nuts, right? And we'll kind of go through the whole process of you being the car dealer. Yeah, let's set it up here. And real, me being real good. the the buyer, yeah. right? So first thing to to our listeners that if you don't do this, you are royally messing up. You should have already gone on Auto Trader and punched in a 150 mile radius for the exact car you want so you can find out what are they really selling for just outside of the market I'm in. Right. And, and I am that guy, and you've gone with me. Yeah. I will go to Massachusetts to save five grand. Yeah. Because it don't cost me five grand to get there and back. You know, right. and you drove up with me in the winter yeah. to pick up that, that dump truck we got. That one, I think we saved 6000 It was a steal. Yeah. I made money on that truck when I traded in for the, the <laughs> diesel one I have now. Wild. But so number one, absolutely research before you go to the car dealership. Um, the, the car dealership is hoping you didn't do their research. So most of what you're going to say you know is what they told you while you're there. Okay, so that's number one. So now when you show up to the car dealer, and this is me coming to see you now, Brian. You're the yeah, car salesman. I'm the car salesman. Why are you guys like vultures at the door when I, I don't even come in first? I'm, if I know the car's on the site because I saw it online, and I always mm -hmm. start my shopping online. Very seldom will I sure. ever pop in unless it's like some random drive-by and I'm far away. And I'm like, oh, I'll go look at it now. Right. Why like stand there like, oh, he's mine? <laughs> you know, like I don't even come to the door. Like if I'm interested and I want to go for a test drive, I'll come get you. Why hit me as soon as I show up? Yeah, and this is uh, the up system. This is a... Uh something that's common across all dealerships so yeah explain the up system the, just so people know what that is the up system is you know so it goes on a rotation with salespeople. so if you're on the list and you're up you that that next customer that pulls into the lot you own essentially so no one else can talk to him except for you so you know and it, what happens is if there is no up system you know it's you have the same effect which i've worked in in dealerships that had no up system as opposed to and both having up system, but yeah, it's you know you, when you pull up in a lot, you the salesman's job is to go out there and greet them, at least. And, and you know I, my theory was always just to get it out of the way. You walk out, hand them a card. If, you can tell right away if it's somebody that just wants a little space. I feel like that's training. You know what I mean? It's not like the young screen piece salesperson thinks you know they're just going to run up and just start spitting game, and and it works. It's really just like you can tell right away. We talked about it last week, the cadence, body language. Yep. You see that with people, and you just kind of play it cool. You, you know, you say, hey, how are you? I just want to come over and introduce myself. Here, here's my card. If you see anything you like, I'll be inside. You know, or, That's perfect. But that help is very seldom. And maybe they're adopting yeah. that more now. 
But if that's how I was treated when I showed up there, instead of like the guy kind of lingering and then already yeah. trying to push me in a different direction, who has no idea how many cars I've owned, like they always, I think they have the wrong assumption about who you are. They're like, man, if this guy's at the dealership lot, he's a he's a hook. I got him. <laughs> It's a lay down. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> but if that's their approach, like, hey, I'm just going to let you know I'm going to be your sales rep. We operate on a um, up system here. If you decide you'd like to go on a test drive or you want me to open anything up, I'll leave you alone now. I'm inside. Because if they did that, then I'd probably be like, hey, you know what, man? Can you grab the keys to this while I'm standing here and mm-hmm. let's, let me sit in this thing and see how it goes? It'd be a much better approach. Yeah. And I'll explain to you that, that here's, the, here's the thought process because – they, they, there's dealerships that go the other way where they will literally just let people marinate out there and they won't talk to you until you come in. And then you have the opposite. Well, somebody comes in and they say, you know, I've been out here walking around for a half hour and nobody greeted me. Nobody asked me if I needed any help. You know, what's the dealership? Their stance is, well, in, in that case, then we'd rather just greet everybody. You know what I mean? There's no... That's fair. That's fair. But it's, it's the way you greet them. If it was the right. way you just described it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't take any offense that I wouldn't feel like, oh, here we go. I'd be like, all right, cool. That's who I ask for if I need help. Yeah, that's tra- that's training. You know, that's just new. new. You get a lot of new car sales people because the veterans don't really take ups. It's always younger guys. Or yeah, because vet- hopefully the veterans have a book of business. Yeah. People are coming to them. Typically, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, there are a lot of appointments coming in, previous customers. So, like, you get a lot of green peas. Like, your likelihood of getting a green pea, which a new salesperson is pretty likely when you step on a lot. Okay. Um, but... You know, I, the last dealership I worked at was it was strictly it was an up system, or it wasn't. It wouldn't even have an up list. It was just like whoever's available sits at the desk in the front. So we didn't take anybody on the lot. They would have to come into the door, and they would walk. The door, the desk was right there. You get up and greet them. First person you're hitting when they come in. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's how that worked. Very very rare. If if I seen somebody like out there on the lot walking around a long time, then then you, you, that's your cue to kind of go out there and see what he wants. Like if. People will just go on, look at a couple cars, and leave. That's fine. We're, we don't want yeah, that. Yeah, don't even anyway. waste your time. Yeah, yeah. So, but if they're out there and you can tell, they're kind of like looking around, like, oh, "Where's the salesperson?" Like they know how the game works. Like somebody should be coming out. Then you go out and talk to them. But yeah, it was just like you wait for that person to come in. You know, they're ready to do something, so can conduct some sort of business at that point. But you know that that was how that worked. But yeah, it's you're right. It's a lot of things we're going to talk about today. I think are just. The car business works a lot differently than any other business. None of it really makes sense for the normal consumer, and they just they're hit with these things, and it just turns them off. Like the the experience you have is just based off of things that the the car dealership has a as a narrative and a and a they they want their things to go a certain way, and the customer wants it to go a whole different way, and that's like they're just combined. Yeah. So the, there's a, so I think every car interaction starts with opposition. You're trying to sell the car. At the highest price you can get. The customer is trying to buy the car at the lowest price they can get. And to bridge that gap or to blur it, they always bring in the trade value game and all that. And we'll get to that So mm-hmm. as we go through. So so just keeping this on pace for what the experience is. So we come in. I'm on the lot. Maybe they greeted me the way I'd like to be greeted, which is, hey, dude, if you need anything, here's my name. Here's my sure. card. I, I sit right there. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to let you do your thing. Versus the vultures, like, you know, like Golem from the Lord of the Rings. Like, you're precious. the ring just my precious. <laughs> so, all right. So now, let's just say you see a car you like, mm-hmm. and you want to take it on a test drive. And uh, Hey, Brian, um, I do like this. You know, can we take us on a test drive? And, and the typical response is, yeah, I'd be happy to. Can I have a copy of your license? I'll go in and get a plate and the yeah. key. I'll come back out. So then you come out and you go on the test drive. 
you might defend this. Okay. But I absolutely hate when I know more about the car than the sales rep does. And I'm not talking like, hey, what's the cylinder displacement and exactly how many torque, you know, foot pounds is it and everything else. But like general things like, does this have blind spot, you know, detection on it? Does it have adaptive? Well, I yeah. don't know. Let me see if it's online. Dude, look around at the switches and gauges yeah, and you should be able to tell way. if I don't. Because some of the, like, if you go from driving a Honda your whole life and then you jump into a Chrysler, everything's reversed. Like the, the turn signal's on the same side, but like the wipers are on the other side. And the, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you should know that if you're good at your job. Why exactly. don't they? And this is a real simple answer to that is, you know, yes, typically the customer who has been researching this vehicle for week, month, couple months, six months, they know so much about that car when the salesman is really tasked with knowing everything about all the models where maybe they don't know specifically, but it, you know, when, when somebody has been researching this model for months or something like that and they get on the, yeah, maybe they know a couple, there's, yeah, it happens. There's salespeople don't know everything about the car on used cars. It's tough. Like they may never even seen that car before or never had experience selling it. New cars, there's really no excuse, but that still happens. It does. And I'm referring more to, to new cars. Yeah. And I think that there's a trade craft issue in the car business where so much focus is spent on how to close the customer yeah. instead of being an expert in your field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the training the training is, is the training you get at a car dealership. If you were to walk into a car dealership and get a job, like I'd say 80% of the training is just customer interaction and closing. And yeah. where 20% is, you know, here, read these brochures. Do you understand the difference between all-wheel drive and two-wheel drive? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Don't sell a car that's two-wheel drive to somebody who wants one with all-wheel drive. Yeah, don't, yeah, do don't that. tell them that all four yeah. wheels turn when they, you no, know, they, they don't underpower. Do yeah. But, yeah, you get – I mean, I've done product training for, like, three or four different manufacturers. And, yeah, you got to go through all these – it's tests. It's like any anyone who can take a test – can click these buttons and just get through the test and get certified. So yeah. they're probably not taking the time to like really like, okay, this is what this understand package has. it. Yeah. They're just doing it so they can get their spin money when they sell a new car. Yep. You know, if they don't have this certification, they're not going to get paid the full commission that they're due. So yeah, I mean, they, they, that is a problem. And, and something when I was a young salesman was, I, I, I know I'm not, you know, the best negotiator or whatever quite yet, but I better know every damn thing about that car. You yeah. Know, I, I'm, you know, when I worked for Hyundai, that was I felt like I had the best Hyundai sales knowledge ever. I could beat anyone on the lot, like any of the salesmen. Like there were salespeople that knew a lot, but yeah, like, like what's the difference between like the Blue Line package or whatever it is and the other yeah. one? It's like, well, okay, this one has the sunroof or the moonroof option. It has that the heated seats. Like you should know that because because right. that right there justifies the upsell. If I yeah. can't tell you why this MSRP is fifty two and this one's fifty eight, there's a problem. Well, can't you read the window sticker, pal? I ain't, I ain't here to read it for you. But you know what I mean? But you should know off the top, like, oh, this is, that one has yeah, a technology easily. package. So, like, just look at the screen. Would you rather have the built-in navigation and the Apple iPlay? Now, everything kind of has it now. But there was a time where you had to upgrade to get, you know, the Apple iPlay. Your, or what's it called? Um, yeah, Apple the CarPlay. CarPlay, Android, that's what it is, CarPlay. Android Auto. Yeah, yeah. Android Auto. Like, you had to get an upgrade. Well, that's worth it. That's oh, the coolest thing ever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so we go through that. We go on the test drive, right? And I always warn the the car salesman that I'm going to drive aggressively, and usually they don't care. They're no, like, "Yeah, man, sure. hammer it, let's go." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? They want it to. They, they, yeah, do it. That's yeah. the 
Every once in a while, you get like a pretty conservative older older yeah. car set. He's like, whoa! <laughs> it's like, calm down, Harry. We oh, got this. Oh, man. All right, so you go on the test drive, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say the good car sales guys will try to get to know you a little bit on the test drive instead of going straight into sales mode because everything they learn about the customer can arguably be used against them later to close them. Yeah, it's very lawyerish, sure. Yeah, right? Let that hold on real quick on that, though. Yeah. Test drive, for me... You talk a lot as a car salesman. You talk before the test drive. You talk after a lot after. I find that I found that the test drive was a great time for me to sit in the back seat and shut the fuck up. Yeah. Okay. Do not talk. I mean, and yeah, if they have questions or like, hey, you know, tell them the route. We're gonna go down the Flowers make Mill, a right like a right on two thirteen, yeah. make the whole square. I'm gonna sit back here and just let you guys go. And like, you talk when asked, but shut the hell up. On, yeah. On let the them drive. experience the car. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Because they because. You're not going to be in the back seat when they're taking that to work. Yeah, you know that's that was very important to me. Like, just I would tell it to new salespeople, like, do not speak on the car with yeah. the test drive. Answer a question, give directions, and then yeah. shut up. Yeah. Shut the hell up. Okay, that's fair. Uh, good advice. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get back from the test drive, okay, and the typical question. So what do you think? Okay, or, or whatever yeah. that sales it's prime and I, time, and I don't have a problem with that. Okay, that that is the number one. That's the thing is you 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 don't talk. And then after that, test drive is the most important part of the car deal. Okay, tell us whoever. Oops, go ahead. So, you know, before the test drive, the wrong thing to do is ask closing questions. Because you haven't closed it. That's what salespeople do. Like, oh, you know, if we can get this in you today, you're going to buy a car, you're going to do this. Like, no, like the only time you're asking a closing question is after the test drive. And you walk out. And it's, it's very seamless. And, like, by closing question, I just mean... You want to take that customer from driving the car to sitting down and looking at numbers. Okay. Like nobody's going to say yes to a car deal like immediately. Yes, so it happens. So like I'll take it today. Sometimes they'll say it. Like if you can make this work from my budget, I'm I'm in. You know that that's what happens, but it doesn't always happen. But that's the easy customer. Yeah, that comes in it's like, hey, I need my pay. Any customer, I feel like that says, I need my payment to be this, or I just want to get out of my trade. Right. You know, okay. With well, the what do you owe on it? Mm-hmm. I think that's just like, man, they just put a red target on their head. Yeah. But yeah, after the test drive, if you've experienced that, is, that's prime time. That is a very important part because you know what you have at that point. If if they say, ah, you know, I don't really like it, then maybe this isn't the right car. Maybe we need to, like, was the right options? Maybe we need to adjust expectations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, you're asking for a $300 payment on a $60,000 truck. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. Unless you've got a $40,000 trade. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So so we get through that. You ask the questions. You know, the customer's obviously interested in the vehicle. That Maybe they give you some background. Say, hey, you know, I've been looking for one of these for a while, but I couldn't find the color I wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, this has everything I want. Um, always seems to be the first question. Do you have a trade? Yeah. yeah. Now, Brian, I know why that's the question. But mm-hmm. why don't you tell us why they want to know about the trade before they negotiate the price? They want to know about the trade before they negotiate the price because they don't want to negotiate without the trade-in involved. Which right, because the then one. they have to negotiate twice. Yeah, so that's the you know the book of dealing with car salespeople. It's always, well, don't tell them about the trade. Yeah, but that doesn't help you either. I, no, I, I found that because they kind of get pissed about it, but I've done doing this. It. They know what you're doing. They, yeah. they, they're trained. And I, I guess my theory was to start talking about the trade from the beginning, if, like at that group meet and greet. Yeah. You know, you don't have to go too salesy, but hey, what are you driving now? You know, oh, I got a Mercedes, you know, whatever. Oh, okay, great. You know, like they're there, obviously, to 
yeah, not yeah, buy a car. But registration, they can punch into their, their black book, any DA value, whatever it is. Yeah. But so, so, anyway, so you get the trade. So the important thing for the listeners, if you gain something from this, okay, telling them you don't have a trade when you do have a trade is like playing hide the salami. Nobody wins. Nobody wins. Okay? You, nobody wins and hide the salami. Yeah. You're better off saying, I do have a trade, but I want to know what the price is, the best price you do if I bought this without the trade first, if you insist on going that route. Okay? Yeah. And the reason for that is now you can kind of feel out the dealer and see, okay, what's the best price I can get this car for? And the purpose for that is as soon as you introduce a trade, now they start playing with two numbers. Yes. Number one is, what am I going to give you for your trade? Okay, which sometimes isn't so relevant depending on what your debt is on. The, if you're upside down in your car, now they're looking at wrapping that debt into the other one. Exactly. And number two is, what's the highest price I can sell them the new car for based on the trade value? Mm -hmm. I understand the math. It's very simple. Okay. But why do they... Always go back and forth, but like that, that. Here's the perfect example, right? So, okay, hey, I'm trading in my truck. All right, Mister Moore, what do you owe on it? Nothing. It's paid for. Mm -hmm. I'm allergic to to car payments. I hate <laughs> car payments, and I've said before, yeah. I have I have v commercial loan payments on equipment, but mm -hmm. on personal vehicles, dude, I just don't like having car payments. If I can yeah. avoid it, I avoid. It. But anyway, um, okay, what do you trade in my truck? What do you What do you owe? Nothing. Okay, do Do you have an expectation of what you want to get for it? Yeah. This is the first trap. Yeah. It's very trapping. Because if I tell you, oh, I paid 34 for it, it'd be nice if I could get 30 Okay. And mm -hmm. they know that car's now selling for 40 You just shot yourself in the foot for 10 k Yeah, but like how often is that? Because where did you get that number? The num That number you People got. People don't check. That's the whole thing. If you didn't do any research before you came in, and you're like, hey, I had this car for two years. If it only cost me four grand to drive this car for two years, that's a deal. And some people think this way, Brian. Yes, but some people, but most people... We'll look at KBB, and we all know that KBB is high. It's a good reference website. It's not what car dealerships... It's not the black book. I'll give you just a quick rundown on KBB. If you want a, an accurate trade-in number, if you want to predict what the trade-in is going to be at the dealership, if you look at KBB trade-in, look at the worst uh, condition level is fair or bad. Poor. Like, poor? Yeah. Look at poor and minus 1,000. Get out. That's what you're looking at. That's what the trade-in value is going to be. Okay. It just... I, years of like when my managers it, you know that's where my, it shakes when out. the car is getting appraised by the used car manager and yeah. i'm sitting with a customer i'll just quickly look it up and i'm like i think you're gonna i'll tell a customer i think you're gonna get x for it yeah like, so they think it's worth 15 pours at 12 you're telling them 11 yeah it's gonna be 11 yeah okay almost to, to, to the t unless it's something like really desirable like something like what was that ready. what was that toyota minivan you said everybody wants Oh, the Sienna. Sienna. Unless oh, it's a hot, Sienna. Man. Then they're going for Sienna's, over the price. <laughs> yeah. They'll pay whatever. They'll get, they just tell the dealer what you want. But the, the reason, and you brought this up with why they want the expectation, is because they're trying to see if you are a trade-in buyer. So there's, you, you get put in a bucket. If you seem like you're really, really hyped up on what the trade-in value is, which they can sniff that out. Yeah. You know, that's they're going to use that negotiation because if you say you want 30 for that truck, and let's say it appraises for 28 Let's just use a scenario. They're going to say, all right, well, he said he's looking for 30. So, like, the next question now that salesman's mouth should be like, well, you know, assuming the numbers work, if we can get you 30000 for your trade in, you know, every question ends with, can we make this deal happen today, right? Like, yeah. Oh, you want 30? Like, you think if we can get close to or at that number, like, we can go? 
And you're like, yeah, well, yeah, that's what I want, you know? Great. And that's a key word. Can we make this deal happen today? Yeah. It is. There's everything. You know, and that's a, it's a great sales tool, and it's one that's not offensive. Right. Because it's very direct, like, like, buddy, are you here to get a deal done? Yeah. Or are we kicking tires? And it's a much more polite way of saying it. Now, right. if you're smart advocating for the buyer, you're going to say, well, you know, the trade-in's not the only part of this transaction. I also want to make sure that we're getting the new car for the right price. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Don't have, I, don't have an, I don't have any problem with that. We're the lowest price dealer in the area. Don't worry about that. Fine, but you're, we're talking trade-in, so you just kind of leave it at that. Okay. So when you go to the manager, when the managers price the cars out and give you the numbers, you know, you're discussing that, like, hey, he's really hot on his trade. He wants. He told me he wants thirty, and I think I might have a commitment there to buy. So they look at the trade. Oh, well, it's only worth twenty-eight. Well, let's show him thirty thousand, right? Or and show him to take anything off the other car's price. Yeah. Yeah, or take a little bit off. It's like they can use some of the profit or use a a, a dealer rebate to kind of like show you a, show you that thirty, and like yeah. you come out and maybe you're twenty-nine two or twenty-nine five, and like. Like, listen, man, I got you close to what your trading number you want. Yeah, what are we hung up on here? Five hundred yeah. bucks. Five hundred bucks. Yeah, let's. You want to split it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. you can't go out because if you go out with again, <clears throat> you can't go out with the thirty he asked for because you got to have room to move. You got to have room to move, and you, yeah. if and you're the same. And this is something I probably got from you, and vice versa is. If I asked for thirty and he came out with thirty, there's definitely more for me. That's right. That's it. there's always you, know? you never take the first offer. You gotta just be like, all right, uh, never take the not first enough. offer. And that's not it's not something that happens all the time at the dealership, but it is where they put they fluff the trade in value to show you the number. It's just when we they talk about it and they're like, Yeah, this guy's really hot on his trade. This is like a big deal. The biggest part of the deal is how much he gets for his trade in. Yep. And yeah, we'll make the price work, whatever. It I mean, we'll show a discount, whatever, but they want to see that number look like 30, and that's it. You know, th- there's payment buyers, there's price buyers, there's, there's, you know, that's, you get put in a bucket when you start talking. That, that's what they're trained to do, at least what I was. The minute you, you start talking to a customer and a lot is trying to figure out what's their pressure, what, what's the thing that's going to, what are they most concerned with? Is they want the payment? Oh, I just, I'll, I'll take a car deal if you can get my payment to X. Or, you know, I really want 30000 for my trade-in. That's what that's how you when you're talking, that's what you talk about in the office with your your pricing guy. Yeah, so all right, so let's so we got out there with the trade, right? Mm -hmm. And this is the next step. And let's say they get the trade done and then Mm -hmm. they they bring that sheet out that says, you know, if you're financing, it's always, well, what's your payment need to be? Mm -hmm. Never a good answer to respond to that. Don't get trapped in the payment game unless you are totally constricted. That's the only way you can afford this thing is to get a payment low. Yeah, but think about it. A $300 a month payment, which is not a realistic number, but $300 a month payment on a 36-month loan is a lot different than a $300 payment on an 80- or 72-month or loan. Mm-hmm. Okay? Don't fall into the payment trap. Unless you are completely cash flow restricted. And then I recommend you really evaluate, do you need to get another car? Unless right. you know this thing's about to die and you ain't showing your cards to the dealer telling them there's something you know that they're <laughs> not going to pick up on. And that happens. Brian's got a story about that. Yeah, we'll get into that. But, um, you know, don't buy the car. Just be happy with what you got. Keep your cash flow tight. Okay, and there's some opportunities in the market where it makes sense to dump something because you can get out of it, maybe even get into something cheaper. But that's definitely the minority. It's not the majority. Right. So you go in, you talk about the trade, they bring out the piece of paper, they ask you if this dollar, we're not going to use payment because I hate the payment example. But they're going to say, hey, um, this is your delta. This is the difference. So the, the car's 60. We'll give you 40. 
you know, 20,000 plus tax tags, whatever, you're going to end up writing a check for 24,000. Are you good with that? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, okay, in this situation, okay, I'm, I'm happy you got to my number on the trade. I feel that's fair. Mm-hmm. But I know if I drive a little bit further and I'll show you on Auto Trader right now, I can buy this exact truck, spec the same, and feel free to prove me wrong, but mm-hmm. it's spec the same. I know my trucks for 15K and you're at 20. Yeah. Can you get there? Mm-hmm. Now starts the back and forth. Yeah. Hang on. Let me check. I'll be back. What is that? Do they go back there and just tell jokes at the water cooler and then come back and tell me no? Or like what actually happens in that process where they disappear and you can't see them anymore? It's the Wizard of Oz, the guy behind the curtain, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. So there's a very logical explanation for this. Okay. And hit me. You're going to... so. And I'll, I'm going to make an analogy to your trucking business in a second. But like when, when there's pricing being done at the car dealership, there's the salesmen are not there to they don't have the ability to price these vehicles. Yeah, they don't have ability to give a discount to somebody. They can't oh, good ones. They can say, like, oh, there's a two thousand dollar rebate on this. So figure. Right. But they're, they're not allowed to change the price. They can't because, you know. <laughs> If you're selling a car to somebody and you're you're not the one on the bill, your name's not on the building. Like, oh, you want this car for X? Yeah, that's fine. Let's let's do it. But there, in, in any dealership, and all the dealerships I've worked out, there's one or two on a given day, managers that are there solely just price doing the numbers on cars, and they keep everything organized in one like CRM with all the like every quote they give out to each customer. So it's an organizational thing where, you know, they're appraising trades, they're giving quotes to people on like you know throughout on a busy day tons of them so it's it's something that's kept track of and there's one person that's doing it so when you when the back and forth and and again it comes down to training if you're better at it you don't have to go through the back and forth that much you, know, you get okay. the commitment you do there's ways of doing it without having to go back and forth all the time all right so maybe as a salesman you ask for a little more than you need from the manager but present less to the customer so that you can make that game day change that yeah like, all right, dude, we're talking 500 bucks, and you know you've got 1000 in your pocket. I'm going to get this done for you, but i got to go back. Let me, and then you go back, pretend to talk to them. Hey, dude, yeah. you got a deal. I got it done for you. They're taking it out of my commission, but I got it done for you. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I, I did have that. That There were times in the car like where – this sounds – I'm going to say a couple things today. I think it's going to kind of blow your mind with some of it. Like, when I you get the numbers from the manager, like, okay, well, you know, if they put three grand down, they're going to be at 325 a month. You know, that's what we're figuring for 60 months or whatever. And uh, I'd be like, don't write it down. Don't write it down yet. And I go back and I write it down. Three grand a month, you're going to be at like 350. And just watch what the customer says. And like they start hemming and hauling or this and that. And it just, you shouldn't do this. But like in some instances you can. And they're like, well, Christ, you know, I want to be at $300 a month. And you guys are coming out with 350 This is ridiculous. Like, oh, my God, well, you know. I mean, if we you think we can get close to it, do you think we have a deal at three hundred or close to it? Yeah, I think I can do it. And I just I get up and walk around, go to the lunchroom, and like then I come back with three twenty five. I'm like, listen, we'll we'll meet in the middle. We'll do the three twenty five. But that was the original price I got anyway for it. You know, so it didn't happen all the time. But yes, there was instances where like I didn't need to go to the manager. I can just go back and be like, yeah, we get you three twenty five. Yeah. Oh, right. All right. Well, now you're doing that. me a favor. Yeah. And if they're about to walk out the door, you then the manager comes out. Yeah. Then it's yeah. like, all right, now the guy's getting pissed off. He wants yeah. to. He wants to be at three hundred. And then they usually they'll go out and like, you know, all right, we'll we'll do it for asking. So so let's go right to that, right? And again, car salesmen like to play the payment game. 
Yeah. Because you can hide more in interest rate and term than sure. you can on just saying straight up, here's the price. So my recommendation to customers, okay, always negotiate the price or the difference, then get into terms and options. Because there's yeah. different lenders, different interest rates, different terms that you can beat this down. But if you just agree to a payment, mm -hmm. that car salesman or car dealer is no longer doing anything for you to try and get your total price down. Right. They are solely focused on a payment, which is term and interest. Right. They'll make us, they'll move the price up if they punch in the system and you qualified for 2.79. They thought you were going to be at 3.5. They're not going to go back and say, hey, we even got it lower. They're going to say, oh, we just got this guy for another two grand. No, they'll just add all the products in and tell you, oh, look, we can add all these nice for products that same price. for that same payment. Or, the, well, no, they'll just, well, only for like three bucks more a month, we'll give you every single warranty in the company. Yeah. Yeah, that makes, that, that math works out. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Know? Like, how, how do my payment only go up five bucks and you're giving me like $10,000 yeah, worth because they already of, got you. They got you. They, they packed that thing up pretty good. So, so let's go to the next point, okay? I absolutely despise, I'm willing to talk to two people. I'm willing to talk to the initial person that tries to sell me the car, which is typically the salesperson. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to talk to the finance guy or the closing guy, that, the lady that prints the paperwork to sign yeah. your title. Yeah. I don't want to talk to the sales manager. Yeah. Because I now I don't know who this guy is. I don't have a relationship. Yeah. I've already been going back and forth with my sales guy. I don't want to repeat all of the things I told him to you. Mm -hmm. You add no value in my life. Yeah, they Stay in your office. They typically don't add any value to it. And I've told him that too. I've had him come out to shake my hand as I'm about to leave it. And I am 100% willing to walk out on a deal. I will never go somewhere, even if it's Massachusetts, without the mindset, I will walk out on this deal. Because if you're there committed to buy, you're going to buy. If you're committed to getting, call it a range, go in lower and be willing to work yeah. up, then you're safe, in my opinion. But when that guy, and I've told these sales, I say, listen, dude, I don't have any relationship with you. I appreciate you coming out to shake my hand, but I, I don't want to repeat my story. I don't want to tell you anything else. Dakota, which is a guy I just worked with recently, knows everything I told him. Yeah. You guys can figure it out. He goes, well, you know what he says to me? Well, I'm the decision maker. And I said, well, then you need to decide to ask Dakota for all this info. I don't want to repeat myself. And I bought the deal. This was on the diesel dump truck. Mm. But he came out and tried to like, I guess for some people, if the manager comes out and talks to them, maybe they feel special. The majority of yeah, customers. I don't. I'm like, right. bro, you You're had the, you had though, the chance to greet me when I walked in. Mm -hmm. Now I don't know you. I don't want to know you. I'm not going to build a secondary rapport. I'm done. He has the info. Yeah. You're, you're an anomaly. And again, that's just the, the majority of the people that come in when they, it's like, I could be negotiating with a guy and they said no to me five times on that price. The manager yeah. comes out, sits down. Yeah, it's the best we can do. Okay, I'll take it. I can see it happening. Happens all the time. But that's because they're expecting the manager to come out and talk to them. Yeah. And, and, that's the, a, and the car dealership created that, which I did. think was a mistake. That is, yeah, that they created that. So this is something that's, you know, we call this a manager TO. And that's every car dealership I've worked at. It's a standard thing is, this sounds, and it's terrible. Because, it, again, we're acting as if we have control over people we don't. But the customer is not allowed to leave unless a manager talks to them doesn't matter if it's a brochure up, somebody out in the lot dusting you, somebody at your desk. It's more important when it's a, when there's a negotiation. If there's a, a, a price given yeah, and the customer just like, oh, I'm just, I don't want to, I'll leave. I'm out of here. Yeah. You, you let them leave, you're getting sent home probably. Yep. Maybe even fired if it's something that you do. 
And it's terrible. It shouldn't happen. It's like, you're just like, you're making this awkward interaction. Like, you just said it. Like, why don't I have to explain myself again to you? Yeah. I told yeah. him my whole situation. He, he knows everything. Just yeah. let him do it. But that's just because it's a trust thing with the with the salespeople. It's, again, with the numbers we talked about. The negotiating the numbers is everything's done with the managers. It's not the salespeople. Because and they, I understand the, the fiscal part of it. Yeah. Because, like, some of these guys would give away the whole freaking... They you know, would. Yeah, yeah, you want the desk we set at? Take it. As yeah, soon as yeah. the salesperson realizes they can't slam this person over the head... They don't care what the car sells. No, they for. just want to get. They just done. want the deal. Yep. They'd rather be working a car you need deal. That check. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So like so, that point when they realize I can't like blast this guy, they're just like, ah, whatever. I don't care what I sell it for. <laughs> so so we made it up to that point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, for the sake of argument, let's just go with devil's advocate. Okay, I'm walking. Yeah. Twice, and I've walked more than twice. Before I got on the main road, I got a call. Hey, they reconsidered. They found some extra room in the numbers. Yeah. If you still want to do this deal, come back. Right. The one time I was so pissed off because we were arguing over twenty five bucks. <laughs> okay, literally, I was like, I want my payment to be four, or I want my final amount to be four grand, mm-hmm. and it was four thousand twenty five. I said, dude, you can pay that twenty five. I'm not doing it. He goes, Are you serious? I, and I said, I grabbed my bag, didn't say a word, and walked out the door. That's what calls me before I even got out of the parking lot. Okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll pay. I said, why do we even have to go through this? I said, you know what, dude? I, and this was in New Jersey, so I drove two hours to get there. I said, mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm not taking it. I was on a Raptor. Mm. Okay, I said, I'm not doing it. I'm out. Okay, and I never bought a Raptor, and I wasn't committed to buying it. And it was blue, which I wasn't a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I just like, I'm done. So then on another one, um, we were, like, pretty far off, like four, four or five grand. Yeah. And uh, this was on the, this was also in New Jersey at that real big auto mile, auto mart, whatever it's called. They're like the biggest wholesaler in Jersey. Mm-hmm. And this is for my second A8L that I had traded in to get the, the platinum. Um, and I said, no, dude, I'm, I'm done. Well, hang on a second. This guy made me sit there for 10 minutes as he went back. And I'm watching him talk to somebody smoking around the corner. Because I got up and walked around because I wanted to make sure I didn't forget my sunglasses. And they were in my bag. And just disappeared. So I got in the car and left. Like, I'm not going to sit here and wait for you to smoke a cigarette with your other car buddies. You know what I mean? Have a monster and smoke a cigarette. So, so he called, hey, hey, where'd, where'd you go? I said, dude. I said, I'm on the highway. I'm on the way home. He goes, well, how far? Like, when did you leave? I said, I saw you around the corner hanging out with one of the other car guys smoking a cigarette. You told me you were coming right back. You were gone for 10 minutes. I said, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I got the deal done. I got the deal done. And I said, it's exactly what I asked for. He, exactly what you asked for. If I got to make a change, I'll make a change. It's exactly what you asked for. I said, okay. I said, I'll be back. I came back in and everyone knew what happened. So this guy was probably, and this is why I bring this up, in that situation where the manager was supposed to talk to me. Yeah. And I had rolled. You just rolled out. Yep. Didn't say a word. Pat grabbed my bag, grabbed the water bottle they gave me, and boom, <laughs> out the door I was. You know? And that's the other thing, too. I don't, I don't like they play that game where they keep your key on yeah. your trading so you can't leave. I always I have my key back. Oh, yeah, we were just, you guys already looked at you, did the test drive. Yeah, I I want my key back. Why? Because I'm going to leave here unannounced if I don't get what I want. Yeah. Well, at least you say it. Yeah, I tell them straight up. There's nothing to be upset about. I gave you the expectation. What are you mad at me for? Yeah, there's tons of, that's a horror story norm is like the the dealership keeping the keys, hiding the keys, parking the car somewhere on the lot where it's hidden. Yeah. You know, even one of the worst dealerships, I I didn't work there, but I know people that work there. They had a via, uh, a valet service when you pull up it's supposed to be like a it's a Kia dealership too like a yeah. valet and they move your car all the way to the back or yeah. something they're already <laughs> appraising it 
as soon as you pull up. Yeah. But like, they, hey, well, why we had your car? <laughs> yeah, like, they, <laughs> and they search the glove compartment for other quotes. Get out. Yeah. Oh, that's dirty. Yeah, they just they'll, they'll go in. That's just, dirty. They'll start. They'll start scanning your VIN number. Getting, yeah. Uh, getting yeah, V Auto up, up on yeah. your phone. Find out what they're selling for at auction. Exactly, and then it, it's like immediately. Yeah. And like people are like, oh, this valet, this is so nice. Let me get my car. Like, dude, it's they're game, searching you your just car got right got. now. You got got. <laughs> they're the people, they're, and they've been sued a bunch. You know, we'll, I, and we're we'll finish up. I don't know if you haven't. And there's, we're going to talk about some horror stories, but well, let, let me let's go to the yeah, final closing here, right? Yeah. So you get through, and I know we're coming up on our hour already. You get through the um, the whole process. You come to a deal. So, hey, do you want the the paint protect? No, I don't. Yeah. Then you advance. So now you've already talked to the sales guy. Mm-hmm. Even if you said you're buying the car, the sales manager comes out to be like, hey, I'm Troy McClure. You talk to him <laughs> too. Now you're in the finance dude or girl's office. Yeah. And they bring out the laminated fancy oh, sheet yeah. with the picture of the paint menu. protected beforehand and not. And do you want? And they were trying to sell me this on a 2019 Duramax <laughs> dump truck. Do you want the paint? No, fabric? I don't want the paint and fabric protection on this truck. That's going to see more dirt than a tractor. Okay. Yeah. Like, no. Are you sure? And I kind of look at the guy, and then now they had this really cool system where the desk was all electronic paper, oh, yeah. and they could it's flip new. me. This it was it was called Deal Board because I saw the logo right. on the side. Uh-huh. So everything I signed was on this big glass countertop. Yeah. He would sign and hit next, and with a flick of a hand, it was like shoving the papers over to me. And I had a pen too, and I would sign it and kick it back to him. That's so cool. Oh, so cool! Great, great experience. Yeah. If, if the dealers don't have, and I'm not saying you need it, it it might add value, it might not, because you're still getting the deal done with your little coily sheets and your three roll things on yeah. your printer. But it was a really neat experience to have it. I'm like, dude, that's cool. I'm a tech guy. I like this. (laughs) But still, the deal was done. We shook hands. We agreed. Don't try to sell me more now. I'm done. Yeah. I got the number I wanted. But again, I know what you guys make on the Simon Eyes. That's a lot. You sell that Simon Eyes for eight hundred bucks, and your total cost to apply it's one hundred, and the likelihood of they coming back to ever make a claim on it is slim to none. No claims. Yep. No claim. It's pure seven hundred dollars profit straight to the dealer. Yeah, the the finance manager is basically considered the best salesperson in the in the building. Okay. You know they're the they're the master, and they're there to to obviously, um, sell you the there is products that they sell you the warranties and that's just and and, and this is something they they hang their hat on like well if, you know. By law, we have to offer it to everybody. So, you know, I don't think that's a law, to be honest with you. You know, I could see somebody trying to have some bogus discrimination. Like, why didn't yeah. you offer me the paint? You think I can't afford it? It's like fair housing. For exactly. That's like exactly right. Dealerships, I believe that's a real thing. It could be, but it's loosely. It's like some it's, loose It's loosely thing. real, but you have that crazy wacko that's trying to get you. Mm-hmm. So you got to say, oh, okay, I just had to ask. Go ahead and acknowledge here. No, you're yeah. not interested. Because their bonus is based off of how much warranty penetration they have yeah and the and that back end stuff so yeah i mean just go rule of thumb uh, like yeah the paint and fabric protection you can easily just tell them i don't want it don't care yep. etch window etching pointless joke it's yeah. a joke uh you know that type of stuff tire and wheel may be worth it if you might, live in a might, city or something might like be that. worth it to get tire and wheel and it, listen there's one time it's valuable to get the one really good paint if you're under pine trees and you oh, get yeah, that sap, sap drip on your car. That could be the right time. But but again, like guys, pick your audience who you're trying to sell this to. A used dump truck. You think I want paint protection <laughs> on it? Yeah, you so. buy work trucks. Like you, you're, you're, there's no emotion. <laughs> like, I don't care. Yeah, there's no emotion. I in just your need this vehicle to keep my company moving. Yeah, like I don't care what it looks like. Right, really, right. <laughs> there's no emotion in your purchase. So like, 
you know, they don't understand that. But yeah, they, they serve you the menu with the payments and they're trying to work like, oh, well, your payment's only going to go up if you get this warranty. But, you know, that that's how that works. And I've worked with really crazy finance managers who, who are the best salesperson. It doesn't, I don't care. Like, I don't care how good I think I am. That guy can go in and close a deal. Yep. And that's, that's just how it is. And like, and you know what? They had the nicest guy ever. Um, super, super sweet guy. And I mean, like, you know the movie The Green Mile? Like yeah. the, the real big dude that's a main guy, like mm-hmm. that type of guy, like just nice as pie. <laughs> you want to know him. I felt bad telling him no. And I even said, I said, dude, you're the only time I've actually felt bad about telling somebody no on this. I'm still going to tell you no, but I want you to know I feel bad about it. <laughs> I feel and bad he's just like, it's it. cool, man. I totally understand. Like, yeah. you know, I was just like, oh, yeah. this guy's a killer, dude. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then as I left, he's, he's probably like, you know, dirtbag. Like like the truth comes out. A stroker wouldn't pay for for ice water. Yeah, this wanker. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe smoke this cigarette. No, but you, you know, listen. There's some horrible things I've seen with finance managers where, like, you know, the interest rate stuff. Like, I swear, this old in- finance manager used to like serve the con. The customer had no idea what the interest rate is. Yeah, and he put his tie on the table on top of the contract. Covering. As, and just show them the payment yeah, and, and whatever. And they're like, oh, that, that's cool. And then we cover it up. It'll be like paint and fabric and every you know warranty for your warranty. Out, gap. Dude. Double gap. You know. And, and like, I'm telling you, I swear he would do it. He would like put the tie on or like it's it's a longer contract, 14 inch. He would like yeah. fold up the front half and like, dude. Just show you the part to sell. Oh my God. Uh, this yeah, is old me, school. Let me show you where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. This was one of my first in 07 and like this is an old school dealership and they were doing stuff like that like they're you know you work at a bad dealership if you know the lawyers names of the owner by name <laughs> and you're constantly there right and it's like it's just a lot of stuff happens that the, and the finance managers that he's the centerpiece man you know you're that's the main guy and he's they're there to sell stuff i, I think some of the products good but some of it's like whatever but they're, they're and and if you go in the back if you go to the the finance manager say, I have a deal. This guy's, you know, he's yeah. waiting in the box or whatever. And it's a cash deal. I think it's really stupid till they'll throw it at you and be like, get him out of here. I don't want a cash deal. Like, Got it. They don't want. It's like I've, the worst I've done thing. That. I was ready to buy a, a car over at uh, another Ford dealership down in Quakertown. And it was going to be a company car for one of my employees. And we yeah. ended up getting a different vehicle instead. We had the deal worked out after a lot of bickering. Like, it was not a pleasant transaction. They went through the whole yeah. typical game we just talked about. Sure. I'm like, guys, I'm not going to tell you I've been a car salesman. I've done this. I said, but I, I bought 40 cars. I know the game. Can we just get to it? I got to get out of here. I have like an hour. <laughs> get to it, man. We got to the end. They said, we can get you out the door today. How do you want to finance that? I said, I'm going to write you a check right now. They killed the deal. They wouldn't take the check. Mm. I said, it's a company check. I can show you the bank account. Yeah. Amy, log into the thing right now and show them. Would not take the check. Whew. Well, if you can go get a certified bank check. I said, I can't make it there. It's 4 o'clock. I'm not going to make it to my bank and back. My bank's down in, you know, Reading. Yeah. You know, and, and I said, you know what? I said, if you don't take this check, I said, I am not coming back. Hmm. And they're like, sorry, sir, we can't take your check. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't a personal check, Brian. This is like a company check. We showed them the bank account balance well over enough to clear the, the payment. Like, yeah. there was no bullshit here. Right. Gave them my EIN number. I had all my corporate docs. I'm like, look, it's going to the company name here. Wouldn't do it. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I said, I will never come back here. It was, um, well, I, I know what it is now, I remember, but I don't want to say it on here, but I'll, I'll tell you what it was. Yeah, down in Quakertown, Ford dealership. Yeah, and, and most dealerships have software now 
Yeah, they, they could, put they the check in. They could have called the bank and verified. Call the bank. Yeah, and I even said, I said, call the bank. I said, call any bank and ask. I said, we have our own cash flow team. Call them and ask them. It's because they gave you so much of a discount. Yeah, they had to get the kicker on the financing. They had to. Yep. That's how that works. And they knew I wasn't going to come back again. So they thought, well, he wants his car today. He'll sign the financing. No, dude, I'm not yeah. doing it. Yeah. You know, I don't want your 4%. I used to have 2.79. I'm not taking it. I, I pay for cars. Brutal. That, that's, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so we're past the hour mark, but there's one really good story involving the two of us yeah. and a gold truck that was traded in. Yeah, so this was 2012-ish, I think, maybe 2010, 11, somewhere around there. And, uh, you, you know, you're, you're in the market for a car for Lynn, your wife. And yeah, this was when, when the pers- we ended up with the Explorer Platinum later yeah. after I made the first mistake. Yeah, and, and we started – I worked at a Hyundai – dealership that also had a ford dealership in the same on the same street essentially so i could go to both and a ford and kia i should say so you, you know if they didn't the customer didn't like the hyundai i can take them to kia you know that that sort of thing so we praised zach's truck and it's a gmc sierra 1500 and my my used car manager appraised it at hyundai and i basically took him down to the ford and kia dealership and worked this deal on a sorrento and you, you bought the car, and it was actually it was a wild deal in itself. And like the trade in was there, and I used the same like trade in form with the managers. And they they're so busy, they just look at it. Like, All right, they put ten five on it or whatever. But like it, I, I'm not even joking. I was about a minute away from being fired that day because that happened. <laughs> so so and again, that's where like you prove that that whole deal by deal thing is real because they had more money in the other car. So they offered me a higher amount on my trade. Oh, no. Listen. No. No? No, it's not that. It's because your truck was probably a dump, and my guy just didn't look at it hard enough. The real used car like director is the used car manager. Oh, he would have shot place. it down right away. Well, after the, 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 we're closing up, I think you you left already with the new car. The truck's out back. And I'm like just cleaning up the trade and are doing something with it. Getting And the, the used car director comes out, and he looks at it. He's looking at his truck. He's so confused. He's like, where the hell did this thing come from? I didn't look at this today. I didn't appraise this truck. And like, he's like, so he's looking at me. He's like, what did you do? Like, I didn't even look at this truck. And he's like flipping out. And he's a nice guy. He's a true car salesman, like old school, like yeah, 70s yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. And he's really good. He knew my dad when he worked there. And he he helped me out. Like when my car was in the shop, he gave me a car to drive for the week to get to work and stuff. Like a guy likes me, but like he was fired up. He's like, and then I swear to God, he no like while he's like flipping out at me about this, he puts his hand on the side mirror. And it like immediately falls off, <laughs> like the the cover on it, the yeah, the housing, <laughs> the crusty epoxy that you're trying to stick Literally, on that's with. what it was. And like, it, and he starts looking at it, and he's like, "Oh man, that!" And he starts looking underneath it. There's problems there. There's a leak. I mean, this thing's a dump. And like, he just like was like, "What happened?" I was like, "I don't know. I just it was a praise up there. My my boss looked at. It. They don't care about yeah. like and." He's like, I wouldn't have put anywhere near the amount of money into this thing. That you but did. did they make out all right with it or they sent it to auction? It never, I don't know. It, I don't remember now. The truck was It went to auction. It did go to auction. Okay, auction. so th- this was like a four-door GMC Sierra and uh, short bed. And, and it was it was not horrible, but it was used hard. Okay? <laughs> yeah. And I had these horrible aftermarket rims on it that I got for cheap because I didn't want to buy tires. And somebody so- sold me like rims and tires for less than I could buy tires for. And then um, I think I even included the original wheels and tires. They were in the back of the thing. So they came with two sets of tires, which is weird to begin with. But uh, yeah, you really helped me out. So then anyway, and then to, to further the story, so we go through all this drama, and I put Brian through this whole hell to help me get a car because he knew I just had kids, and I needed something that was a little bigger. 
and I buy this car. I take it home. My wife hates it <laughs> because it's so small. Even though it's a full-size SUV, well, mid-size SUV, it's so small, the kids couldn't fit their feet in the car seat because oh. the back seat or the front seat was all the way against it. And either I had to sit in the dash or the babies kind of had to be squished in the back. And I think we had the car for two weeks. I traded it and I got the Platinum or the, the, the Ford Explorer Platinum. I have no yeah. idea how you got out of that deal or what happened. Like, Yeah, it was just... like even. They gave me exactly. I think I showed them the paper. I said, dude, I just bought this. I made a mistake. I didn't have the car seats with me to check the size. And they were like, no problem, dude. We'll just swap you out. Like they were actually really cool. That was at uh, Masano and Reading. And I go there a lot. They're, they're pretty good to me. Wow. Okay. That's so. good. Yeah, we... Uh... We did that. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, you, you almost got me fired that day. That was that was incredible. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you know. But in return, like I did give you a job later. Yeah, after yeah, that. yeah. I think so it came think back. It, right. it was right it. after that. Too. Yeah, it was when you didn't have anywhere to work at the time because of the COVID layoffs. Oh no, no, no! This was like 2012. No, but I'm saying, well, yeah, it was later, it was later years later, but still. Oh no, that's right. I gave you a job at Chestnut Square then too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, I've given you a lot of jobs, bro. Uh, yeah, you know. I appreciate it. I mean, you almost get me fired at my other one. So yeah, so I almost have to make up for it. Yeah, time. you have to so make it's up still for each time. Like neutral here. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's the that's the big uh, thing here. So yeah, I, I guess that wraps it up. I mean, I, I was going to go into a couple things with where we think the car business going, but you know, we can maybe Why make this we, a second episode. You know too. what? I'd love to talk about warranties and, and give my take on warranties from how it was to where it is now. Mm-hmm. And I think we could also break into why the pricing is what it is. Um, you know this new speculative buyer where people are actually ordering things from the dealership with the intention of flipping it because they know they'll be able to. And then we can also talk about, you know, the car market in a whole with these new buy only places versus being a dealer you trade. So we Mm -hmm. probably have more content, I think for another episode. Yeah. hundred percent. So, well, Brian, you're not half wrong, my friend. Oh boy. Thank you. (laughs) Good one.